ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, my patron peeps, it's time for the podcaster whose creaky dulcet tones are breezy like an afternoon under an awning. Hopefully soon we'll have you yawning. Or at least quizzically drifting off, because it's time for Sleep With Me podcast to put you to sleep. Thanks, patrons. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's a thoughts, a feelings, a physical sensations, changes in time, temperature, routine. Uh, you, you know, you get, you get travel, you get stuff going on. Whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to keep you company here. I'd like to take your mind off of that. What I'm going to do... Did I already say that? I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones. I'm going to use out-of-the-box techniques like kissing my own shoulders. I guess I didn't call it... I don't know if I called it this, but sympathetic shoulder kissing. Here we go. I'm going in for one. One second, please. Now, really, I have my shirt on, but, uh, so it's not quite, it's more like a kissing my shirt, but sympathetic shirt kissing, we could do that as well. Uh, we, we, uh, those are strange techniques. If you're new, uh, women do send my voice across the deep dark night and keep you company, take your mind off stuff to be here for you as you drift off. Now, it's be, maybe it's becoming quickly apparent that uh, this podcast is not like other podcasts. Or other things. You may call them normal things. Uh, or you say other, other stuff. Yeah, this podcast is full of stuff. But it's just like a cloud. You say, I mean, actually, in some way it is. You say, man, that cloud looks like it's full of stuff. And a scientist would say, oh, yeah, molecules. And I'd say, well, that's a, I'd say, well, that's a general word. But by the way, could you be more specific? And then the scientist would say, well, by the cut of your jib, Scoot, say, no, if I'm more... Sp-. And they'd say, well, water... Are you saying there's water molecules in there? And they'd say, well, technically. And I'd say, okay. I was just... What I was just saying, scientist, is like, uh, it could be like a toy chest. You, you, I'm using... Uh, you know, when I was uh, came into the world, I, I, I both suspend my belief and my disbelief, I guess is what I'm saying. I believe in science. Believe me, scientists. And I think I was trying to make a metaphor for the new listeners. You say, well, that cloud looks pretty puffy. Could be some stuff in there. I don't know what it would be because I can't th- see through the cloud, but I could imagine maybe it's just cotton swabs. The cloud filled with cotton swabs. Uh, that could be, on, I don't know anybody, uh, they don't run commercials for cotton swabs anymore. You think ever since those pads came out, you say, well, did the bottom of the cotton swab market fall out? Did they say, like, uh, these pads are really impinging on our uh, margins here? We used to just be able to make them in poofs. Yeah, I wonder if that's what you say. Well, we're way more at ease when you could go into a bathroom and you see a bunch of puffy things. Okay, I'm stretching. Some part of my brain, I said, well, I, maybe I need to just get a night. Maybe I got to go to a store. Talk about consumerism at its best. I'm going to go to a store. I'm going to get myself a clear jar. I'm going to fill it with puffy cotton puffs or whatever they're called, swabs. Well, I'll tell you what. These ain't going to be swabbing nothing, uh, vocabulary brain. They're just going to be puffing in there and chilling. Because what I was trying to do for a new listener, excuse me, new listener, I'm sorry. I was trying to create a metaphor uh, about the podcast. But what happens is when I do that... uh, I get up there in the clouds where my head's, uh, I, I say, oh, that's where you've been, my head. Your head's been in the clouds, Scoots. No wonder you can't make a metaphor about the podcast related to clouds and then go into a metaphor about bathrooms and things you may find in bathrooms and then uh, cotton swabs, and then you're probably going to go on a tangent about cotton swab barons or the great cotton swab collapse of uh, 20-aught-8. And I remember your classic uh, segue. No, those were tangents about a uh, sea breeze and astringent. Uh, 
I don't remember the content of it, but I do remember you said uh, you were talking about astringent for about 11 minutes in another podcast intro where you were trying to tell the listener, if you're new, just kind of watch it like a cloud. Uh, podcast is airy like a cloud. Could You could imagine, oh, I guess some podcasts have stuff in it. This podcast is mostly tangents about stuff uh, and puffy, you know, puffy stuff, ideally. So if you're new, you don't need to listen. I think that's the other thing. You know, don't don't try too hard to figure this podcast out. Give it a few tries. It's here to help you, but it doesn't work for everybody. And yeah, you might you might it might not be the thing for you, or you might find out on the two, second or third try it is. Uh, but yeah, I'm just here to help. So see how it goes. I hope it helps you, uh, but it might not. But but you know, uh, I guess. It, <laughs> Uh, so, but let's see how it goes. So, because you don't need to listen to me. That's the other thing. You can kind of listen. You could barely listen. You can actively listen. And if you need to listen, I'll be here till the very end. I'll be here for about an hour. Because the other thing is, you can fall asleep whenever you like. There's no pressure to fall asleep. There's no pressure to listen. I'm here to keep you company for at least an hour. Maybe it's an hour and 15 minutes. Maybe for some people, it's eight or 10 hours of back-to-back episodes. Uh, you know, I'm here to be your friend in the deep, dark night. And uh, what to expect uh, is the uh, show starts off with a few minutes of business. The reason I'm laughing is because we're like six minutes into the intro, uh, or maybe six and a half minutes. Uh, it just starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep the show going and free. So thank you, uh, regular listeners. New listeners, that's not super important. Uh, then the, the show, uh, then we have an intro. The intros are around 12 minutes of me kind of trying to earn your trust, to build some rapport, and to try to describe what the podcast is, put you at ease, and take your mind off of stuff. You say, oh, well, he's not really talking about much, and I don't even know what he's talking about. Clouds and uh, cotton swabs, uh, and maybe, you know, it might be hard for him not to say, you know, start quoting things about swabbing the old deck. Uh, and, he, you know, he wants to be the great spokesperson for the cotton swabs and say, none of ye swabs shall ever swab ye deck. Or your face, you know, you'd say you're never, if you don't want to swab a face, you don't have to. I'm, I'm telling you right now, at my house, unless I forget and I say, Ooh, it's been eight months since I've gotten an astring- gotten that sea breeze out and done some astringing. I'm into mo- I'm in the mood for a little, you know. I put on my astringe playlist, astringent playlist, uh, whatever they call that. I think there's a fancier term for it. Like when you use it on an engine, it's degreasing on an engine or a pan. And your face, I think they call it, you know, schnubbing it up or something. There's a word. I know there's a word for it. Degla- is it? Excuse me, uh, could you play my deglazing of my face playlist? Uh, do you mean your astringent playlist? I do, but I'm more, yeah. And you'll see me, a little sad A, a B. What am I talking about? I was trying to explain what the structure shows. So there's an intro where I go off topic, and I try to, some listeners skip the intro, some listeners fall asleep, a lot of people use it as part of their wind-down routine. And a lot of people listen during the day. They say, hey, I need that 10 a.m., I need that 2 p.m. break, uh, or I'm in traffic. Uh, what's a scoot? What did Scooch talk about last night? It wasn't about an astringent playlist. It couldn't have been. It may need to re-listen. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, then the second song, of course, would be the L-Train L- singing Easy. I'd be singing Sea Breezy, like my freshly astringent face, uh, also, Seabreeze, I don't think you're in business anymore. Maybe you are, but if you're looking for a podcast to sponsor, uh, you, here, you, you, we could call it. I could call it today's uh, podcast, uh, Astringently Yours. I could also figure out, look up the definition of astringent if I need to. But I, I think you've separated yourself from that. What about, uh, you, I could rename myself Witch Hazel if you need to. I'll pun it, I'll pun it up however we need to. I'll pun it up if if that's what what it takes. Anyway, so that's the intro. A little bit confusing, a little bit different. Kind of sets the mood 
for the clowning around that's going to be going down around here. Uh, the nonsense, nonlinear nonsense. Then we'll have a little bit of business. Then we have a bedtime story. Tonight it'll be our third, pretty much 100% uh, episodic, uh, modular uh, holiday series, Happiest Holiday Shop. And then eventually we'll get to uh, the thank yous and the good nights. Uh, that's at the end of the show. Uh, so that's structurally what to expect. And I think I kind of demonstrated the other stuff uh, unintentionally, really. I mean, I don't know if anybody, we could do a nationwide search for people that think more about cotton. I think they're called cotton balls. Somebody just called in to my brain and said, by the way, these cotton swabs is only, those are the, and I said, holy mackerel, you got to be kidding me. You're right. Those are the other ones. The, the tip, the tips, uh, I was talking about cotton balls, but I've been calling them, holy mackerel. Let me get out of my pen and my pen. Dear cotton balls. I'm on uh, whatever day it was that I recorded this, October 11th, 2018. Believe it or not, that's when I recorded this. I mistakenly went on an 8 to 12 minute tangent uh, uh, talking about how poofy and great you were. Uh, but I mischaracterized you as cotton swabs because my limited vocabulary and the indirect, you know, the way my neurons misfire. And I meant to create a glorious podcast intro honoring your puffiness and your ability to estringe, estrange, estrunge uh, faces, to create an imagery and metaphor for the listener of your your softness, your shape, which is, uh, you know, ball-like, but sometimes you're more cubular Sometimes you're octagonal, which always seems so cottony, and also to wonder, and, and part of me was legitimately wondering if you did have a little downturn there when they made it the flat pads that you used to only be able to get in the Stridex packages, then you could buy them and use them for other things, uh, but, oh, I apologize so deeply for calling you cotton swabs. Uh, also, cotton swabs, uh, you probably, I probably owe you, I mean, a lot of apologies because you've, you know, you've been, you know, you, we, I, we, we come in contact on a daily basis and you travel with me. So, also, cotton, cotton balls, sorry that I don't travel with you or give you more attention. You're probably honored in some homes, and like I said, I would like to have just a a jar of cotton balls, uh, what I'll say now correctly. As I own my mistakes, I was wrong. I'm sorry, and let me know how I could make it better. Also, if there are any sentient cotton balls, uh, I'd like to pitch you on an amazing podcast. Uh, everything is alive. Uh, you, I could get, I could get you in touch, uh, uh, and, and you know. But I also, I also cotton balls. I don't want you swab. I don't want you to feel like you have to swab any decks or faces. Oh no, getting it. Sorry, new listeners. I just got another thing in. They said there's a difference between swab and schwab, and I said, well, I don't have time to. I don't have time to give out those apologies. So swabbing the deck and swabbing the deck may be two different things. Uh, but to me, in this letter of apology, to you, sweet cotton balls, because, well, you're not sweet, even though, I've, yes, I've had you in my mouth, uh, both in a professional and, and a, a hobbyist level. I'm sorry for, for stealing the thunder I tried to bring to you when I was imagining a cloud full of cotton balls. Also, Schwab's and Schwab's. I'm totally, like, I just got to use this chance to scoot. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll just say it now. So please apologize to me. And for the new listeners that are here, this is kind of the thing to expect. Uh, I got I think if once my, I get a full scan of my head, they'll say, like, uh, are those, what are those? Are those cotton balls or cotton Schwab's in there? They say, somebody, give him a little swat. Give his, by the way, 
Look at that skin. Did you just astringe, estrange, estrange your, your, your skin? I said, did you take Latin, you know, facial uh, Latin for uh, uh, Latin for spa owners? Because I, I, I took, I, you know, I just uh, audited that course. Uh, anyway, I'm here to help. This podcast is definitely a little bit different. It takes a few tries to get used to, but I'm here to help. Uh, I appreciate you coming by. I appreciate your time. And I work very hard. I strive and I yearn to help you fall asleep. All right. And here's a few of the ways we keep this show going. All right, everybody. Here we are with the episode of uh, our holiday cereal. Uh, uh, yeah, cereal in non episode. It's not episode. No, no, no. It is episodic. Sorry. I always forget these, uh, how these words work. Uh, it's our episodically modular uh, non serial series, a happiest holiday shop. And it's a little bit, uh, I guess it's already almost the end of the season because we're just doing three or four episodes here. And this is episode three. I mean, I'm, I'm recording episode three. I'm planning on writing and making episode four, but you know, who knows? Uh, but I want to set up the concept for you. It, it all, all revolves around the happiest holiday shop. And it's a little bit like if... Uh, uh, a Hallmark holiday special was done uh, is, uh, by, by uh, Black Mirror, I would say, is like uh, the intersection uh, with a sleep with me. So you say, okay, well, that's, but I want it more. And I say, of course, it's it's way more sleepy. So it has a little uh, vanilla, uh, but, it, you know, it has some, uh, you know, elements of sleep with me. A little bit goofy, a little bit twisty. And ide- ideally a reimagining and uh, something that, you know, feels uh, is, is, is sweet, but not so sweet that it would be the Hallmark uh, holiday special. I guess. I don't know. It, it's just an intersection of my interest, you know, interest and in, uh, curiosity. So I guess like if, the ho- you know, if they reinvented, the, the, I don't think that channel exists anymore. But if they said strange tales from the Hallmark holidays, uh, that would be that would be it. I guess that, that that's about it. But it's not actually it's more sleepy than I mean, there's inherent strangeness to sleep with me. Uh, this just uh, I don't know. I guess it was as usual when I set up these series. It always works well. So settle in for a trip uh, to, to the holiday season somewhere else, uh, somewhere uh, that's nice and familiar, but with elements uh, that, like, ideally you don't you don't hear, but you could enjoy. If you're if you're up uh, and you're with me, I'll be here with you to the end, as I always say, weaving and telling this tale as I got to observe it, or actually as I get to observe the narrator of this tale narrating what the narrator observes, all in a world. Uh, where just down the street is uh, a shop they call. Well, I don't know who. Call, I don't say they call. Actually, the shopkeepers. They uh, do they ever say welcome? I think they do. Welcome to the happiest holiday shop. And that's what I'll say. Welcome to the world. Welcome to the happiest holiday shop. Tonight's story starts with Blake, uh, who's asleep, deeply asleep. Blake is dreaming, but Blake doesn't even know that they're asleep, swimming in warm, embracing, comforting water, surrounded by the water, but breathing naturally, breathing deeply, looking around in a slow, languid way, taking in the world, looking at fish and birds and kelp, coral, in colors, uh, purples and greens, a vibrant and a spectacular array of colors as Blake drifts, soaking in the richness. And as Blake observes, uh, also feeling observed, feeling the eyes of the fish watching, even the kelp watching. 
dancing kind of in the water, spinning around, uh, feeling the energy from being observed and starting to sense that the watching is what Blake is breathing and saying, wait a second, uh, breathing so fully, so naturally, and I'm floating, but I can feel it on my skin, not like air, like water. Is this a dream? Blake wonders, is this real? But luckily, because it's a water, the thoughts kind of drift away. And as it drifts away, like bubbles towards the surface, uh, that captures Blake's attention. And Blake follows the bubbles as they head towards the surface of the water. And as the surface of the water gets close, Blake starts to become mesmerized at the reflection. Uh, looking back, uh, the sea floor, all of the fish and the plants and the coral life around Blake, floating behind, uh, drifting, but also a reflection from beyond or something, the sky in the clouds also behind, kind of like looking at a reflection in a steel drum or some out-of-focus compound eyes. Blake floats there, looking and, and seeing the clouds pass over starfish and seeing starfish in the blue sky. And then Blake starts to feel other things watching from the other side of the steel drum. And Blake reaches out and realizes that it is, well, it's not a steel drum. It feels like a steel drum, that it feels like the surface isn't penetrable. But Blake's still calm, uh, but curious, pressing against the reflection, wondering how to get through. And then something else catches Blake's attention, another fish looking or a clam, I can't even see the clam's eyes, but I feel like the clam is watching me, touching the surface or wondering about the surface of this water. And then Blake starts to kind of feel like everybody's singing, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. And then, of course, uh, Blake rolls over in something about the surface of the blankets or the sheets that Blake's cheeks touches a cool, cool pillow. If something stir, stirs Blake out of sleep, oh, wait a second, oh, it's asleep. What a dream. Was a dreaming. I was uh, swimming in, in a dream quickly recedes uh, into the background. As Blake gets up and, and gets out of bed, heads to the facilities, is many, many, you know, they skip those parts in most tales, and we'll skip it here. The teeth brushing, the sock putting on, the face washing, it all goes down with the sense of a dream, just left a dream of depth, uh, of immersion, but what was it? What was it? Was it was it was a dreaming about anything? Uh, and Blake's thoughts feel drifty. What do I have to do today? And then Blake's thoughts drift to Casey. They've been friends for a long time, Blake and Casey. As Blake's day and morning continues on, I kind of feel you in. So Blake and Casey have been friends for a long time. Now, a few things you might want to know. Maybe they'll make it easier for you to relate. Uh, Blake is a classic beauty, a beautiful person. Uh, by by most definitions, you'd say there's something striking uh, if you saw Blake or you'd remember Blake. There's something light and effortless about Blake's motion through the world, confidence, 
But then if you sat there and really observed or uh, if you could break through your curiosity or you're swept up uh, in the outside, you'd see, huh, uh, it, it's hard to see, actually. And Blake probably would back me up on this, uh, even though narrators and characters aren't supposed to interact. Uh, I'd pause it to say, Blake would say, it's not as easy as it looks, but it, 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 my, my life uh, so far. Yeah, it's had some breaks and it's had some uh, ups and higher ups and maybe some downs and some dull times. And yeah, I get a lot of attention, a lot of positive attention, a lot of encouragement, a lot of support. Things may seem to go my way. Financially, I do a little bit better than getting by. And I do enjoy myself. Uh, but between those words, uh, and maybe this is just my job as the narrator, though the person that makes the podcast is currently telling me it's not my job as a narrator to do this. But if you listen between the words, you'll hear something. A lonely space between the words, between Blake's words, I mean, in particular. Between the flashbulbs of attention, uh, there's a darkness maybe is a pushing a metaphor that's applicable here. So that's a little bit about Blake. Uh, Blake's a terribly likable and, and pleasant and, and nice and, strangely enough, a bit of a loner uh, in midst of all that attention, never much for, for clicks, uh, and things you might say, well, it seems like uh, Blake would be heading up a click. Uh, not in this case. Uh, and Casey is uh, another bit of a loner. You'd say not like Blake. Uh, Casey is someone that spends a lot of their time thinking, a lot of their time struggling, a lot of their time on the ups and the downs and the, the predicting, the assessing the past. Uh, Casey's a bit like uh, characters you might know, podcasters you might even know. Casey's got a sense of humor and Casey's got a bit of an edge. But Casey isn't someone you'd cast. Uh, and it, Casey's a little bit forgettable. We'll, we'll say it because Casey can't hear me right now. And I don't mean that. I just mean it as a factual way. Uh, Casey tries to be a bit blurry, a bit forgettable, because it, it, while it doesn't always feel good, it makes uh, Casey feel pretty safe. But for some people, there's a magnetic energy there as Casey tries to remain isolated, Uh to remain in a world of dreams, a world of books, a world of imagination, sometimes uh, fantasy and sometimes uh, a more ominous uh, imagination. It can be a magnetic draw sometimes. But magnets also kind of have a repulsion to them. And uh, so Casey's a pretty lonely uh, individual. And Blake and Casey's friendship, strangely enough, came from a love of the Manchichi franchise. In the glory days of Manchichi, and uh, for, you know, seeing it even as I, as a narrator, am unfamiliar with more or less, except for maybe seeing one perched on the end of a pencil. But the two of them. Uh, the two of them were drawn together uh, by, by their love of this and, and going to conventions uh, at first separately without being aware of one another. Well, I shouldn't say that Casey was aware of Blake. But Blake, uh, just like you could imagine, floated through the Manchichi fan community where Casey lived a Manchichi fan life of quiet contemplative observation but away from the conventions Casey was always hard at work at Manchichi fiction 
and, uh, you know, erotic fiction sometimes. And it had a humorous uh, angle to it, uh, but it was also, uh, had a, a depth to it, an intensity to it, uh, a warmth to it, a passion to it. And it, it, it was something that uh, Blake started to discover, and not just uh, like, uh, not just the After Dark, Manchichi After Dark, uh, was the only title the podcaster could think of, but uh, there was also other tales and other reinventions of genres in Casey's fan fiction. And sometimes uh, Casey was imagining uh, Blake uh, as they started to discuss these things online, and and Blake kind of started to uh, encourage Casey at first, for Casey, it was the attention was a little bit confusing because uh, it was a, a traction around interests, uh, and that was all it was for Blake. And at first, uh, something in the attention swelled in Casey, buoyed, uh, and of course, naturally, Casey kind of felt drawn to Blake uh, romantically. But at the time, Blake's attention was elsewhere, moving through uh, uh, living Blake's life. But beyond the attraction was their love of Manchichi and their love of fun and their love of laughing. And so they became friends, and Casey kind of, uh, you know, would be would still hold this fantasy and then be disappointed uh, that Bla- the two of them remained just friends. And uh, they, they spent a long t- time of their 20s uh, together, but they lived in separate cities, so it was more of a virtual together, uh, together over Manchichi, and then other fun things they found, you know. Anything sharing one or another's sensibilities. But meanwhile, their regular lives were, were pretty different, uh, Blake's, uh, at least from the outside, was living an awesome life, uh, an amazing life. And Casey would say, my life's a bit forgettable, a bit dull. And, you know, we could get into it. They just say, well, they're both rich uh, in in their shades of living, in their shades of gray. But that was uh, their lives, and that was the overlap uh, but there was a sense, at least, uh, and maybe there was too much interference with Blake that uh, there was something special about Casey, and maybe that uh, uh, though Blake would probably deny it that uh, there was something about Casey's romantic attention uh, that excited Blake. But Blake was, you know, maybe too young, or maybe a different, younger value system about what Blake wanted. And they made a, a kind of an agreement to one another. They said, hey, w- w- what about when we uh, turn 30? W- what do you think about if we're both still uh, one of those packs, you know, you might have with a friend or uh, a former, uh, or you say, when, when we get to this point, uh, maybe we could couple up. And uh, it was a strange reaction for Casey. Uh, at first, it was like, oh, you, wow. But then as uh, time grew on and and Casey kind of uh, got more Casey-like, uh, Casey kind of pushed, no, you know, a life with Blake isn't an option for me. Anyway, that's where our tale—it hopefully gave you enough information there, because Blake's almost to Casey's house now, and Blake uh, has uh, been thinking a lot about things, uh, because the big 3-0 is uh, right around the corner. The New Year's Eve, I think they said, I apologize as the narrator, I'm a bit behind uh, uh, after we both turned to 3 Maybe we'd head to Vegas, and and Blake, Blake's uh, acutely aware of it. And as Blake's uh, been processing things, uh, 
thinking, Casey's pretty great, and what is behind all that writing? I've only thought about it one or two times in stolen thoughts. Uh, what uh, if uh, Casey has that same softness, uh, but uh, beyond that warmth, uh, when writing about manchi cheese, where does that come from? What's uh, flowing out of that wellspring? And uh, but Blake at first was like, no, 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 no. But getting more and more adjusted to the thought, and you know, none of us get back to actually blame Blake for when you say, well, uh, kind of making some big, pretty big assumptions that uh, Casey should. Well, maybe we. Oh, yeah, Blake said. Hey, Case, what's up? Uh, not, you know, just, just, uh, you're getting some stuff done. Uh, uh, we haven't we gotten a chance to work on that, uh, the super manchichi thing. But, but, uh, I know I just said I'd show it to you. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was just trying to make my New Year's plans. I wanted to see, I mean, I know we're going to hang on, uh, like uh, Christmas Eve for a little bit uh, before I go over to my mom's house. But um, I don't know. I was thinking about New Year's Eve, you know. Um, yeah, well, uh, I, I believe it or not, I got. I actually already have New Year's Eve plans. I know I normally just take a bath on New Year's Eve and uh, you laugh about it and then we call each other at nine. And I say, no, I'm really in the bathtub and you're always at a party. <laughs> you, you're not, you, I know you, I, that's what I love about you. Like, uh, that, that takes so much courage to just be in a bathtub on New Year's Eve at nine o'clock. Yep. Courage is, a, yeah. Usually I'm, yeah. Um, but yeah, this New Year's, I, I kind of have, uh, something going on. Well, uh, what, 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 like, uh, cause I thought, like, I was thinking, I've just been thinking a lot about New Year's, you know, like in our, you know, our friendship, things we've talked about, uh, our futures, uh, you know, New Year's Eve stuff. Well, um, I don't know if you remember Blair, like Blair and I were, were kind of uh, together, then not together. Oh, yeah, Blair, right. It always get that mixed up with me, like Blake and Blair. It's, don't you think that's kind of like a little bit... Uh, um, and it, well, uh, Blair's like, uh, a company sold, uh, the, the collectible site Blair's just started. So, um, we're going to like, we're, I mean, like, uh, it's great to be in town and be in the same town as you, uh, but we're going to move, uh, wait, okay. Well, I mean, we've always kept our friendship. I mean, I'm, uh, what? Like move, move permanently. Yeah, yeah. Like for the two of us. But you can't. You always said you couldn't. Uh, you didn't want to live with anybody. You wanted. You always wanted to live on your own. Well, you know, it's like uh, we're getting to this point, and uh, I got to make a decision. And uh, Blair's, uh, you know, it's like uh, relationships. Uh, uh oh. Uh, were you going to say it's okay? Uh, was, yeah, it's pretty, it's okay. And the like money the site sold for, it's not like FU money, but it is like, uh, let's kind of move around money and maybe we could like, uh, work in cafes, uh, maybe, uh, like if I could like get start selling some of this uh, spec stuff, it wouldn't be spec, but it would be like uh, equivalent of like ten bucks an hour. And then like uh, with uh, things, uh, well, that sounds like kind of like more than just moving with somebody. That sounds like a kind of partnership. Yeah, yeah, we're we're like we're, we're getting we're getting together. We're partnering officially, partnering. Like, like, uh, in a ceremony and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, once, like, uh, w w like, yeah, New Year's r r that we're going to uh, do it and then head, head out. Oh, uh, do you, are you, like, in love w with uh, Blair? 
I mean, that's complicated. I mean, we get along and we like each other and it's just is sensible. Like, what else am I going to do? Uh, stay in the bathtub every New Year's? I mean, that's cool. But I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot about it. And, you know, it's like uh, where we're at. Uh, I mean, for you, it's easy. For me, it's not. How, how's that sound? Wow. That's, uh, uh, it's like you're using your relationship like some sort of utility or something. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's like a, a, a source of stability. That's going to be my relationship, I guess. Uh, I thought you were my friend. Like I could talk to you openly and be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I mean, life's not, this is like the gray that we live in, uh, uh, you know, there's uh, Casey's and Blair's and then there's Blake's and not everybody gets to be a Blake. Oh, whew. you know, w- believe it or not, the reason I came over here was because I was thinking about uh, our New Year's, uh, our New Year's agreement. Um, Wait, what do you mean? Like our New Year's agreement to one another. But I guess you already have an agreement. You mean like us two? together yeah that's what i meant uh never you know what forget the whole thing like okay here's one question for you is that how my is it am i like a utility for you too like i get to encourage you in your writing and we get to laugh and like uh is that like how compartmentalized things are like i'm just your Oh, there's the my easy friend that just strolls through life. Uh, you know, I get I gotta go. Ne- you know what? Never mind. I, like, uh, congratulations. If you want to invite me, I, I, well, let's just talk about it later. I gotta go. And so Blake walked out of Casey's house. Now, that was a, that was a little bit of a ride, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary. But. Uh, it's going to be okay. Blake's uh, tough. And one thing we didn't mention about Casey, beyond the Manchichi, and something Blake never really took an interest in, just an observation, is that outside of Casey's house on the holiday season, Casey puts up a tent, and inside that tent, Casey puts a big wooden desk uh, a giant wooden platform, you'd even call it. And on that platform is not just a train set, but a, a village of collectible uh, holiday houses. But not just one style. There's some Victorian, and there's some from theme parks, and there's some case he got at uh, garage sales or estate sales, some from airplane magazines, and... Uh, some, you know, after the holiday sales, the ones that had to be chipped and repaired and repainted. So a mishmash of holiday kind of sweetness, uh, but at a distance. And for the first time, Blake stops and really looks at it. It was always just one of Casey's uh, things uh, to Blake. Uh, not uh you know, is appealing. The holidays were kind of just a time of events. And this was one of the events, Casey's uh, turning the power on the holiday display. And uh, now it's time to soak it in uh, how different it is, but how there's uh, some little parts of the town that are themed in a hill and everything. There's like a, one of the ones has uh, a continuous motion of uh, by magnets or something, uh, kids sliding down a hill. There's a Ferris wheel and there's a carousel. There's a, a bunch of Dickensian houses. Uh, there's even a, a den of a Fagin. When you look in the windows in some of them, there's characters in some of them. Casey's redone it uh and put Annie inside of, uh, uh, with uh, Oliver sitting on a bed uh, talking. 
there's a bunch of details, but it kind of none of it comes together. Uh, like a patchwork of patches. And you say, what did you iron? You ironed that one on and sewed that one on. Interesting. But all on a hill, slowly going down uh, to a tree. And then even a river flowing over the edge of, I guess, this town's existence. A fake river made from some sort of acrylic or something. That when the lights hit it, it almost looks like it's flowing. And Blake soaks it in and looks, uh, sighs, and uh, it feels a deeper magnetic pull, like... uh, but there's also something about it that uh, kind of sets a boundary, too. It makes Casey more attractive, but even more distant. Uh, uh, there's something also cool about it, even though there's even incandescent lights in some of the houses. But Blake uh, is a person... Uh, with uh, some hidden depth uh, and uh, an ability to just look at this display and feel these feelings and nod and make a decision, uh, also to feel some pride that Casey made this, uh, but also to feel the sting of, uh, is this a a friendship as utility or love as utility? And Blake heads off uh, towards uh, the town square for a walk. And as they go by the shops and the movie theater, Blake sees an awning. Blake hears uh, whirring and the uh, mechanical sounds of music making machines. Uh, the clink of reindeer bells as a family exits the shop, and the awning reads, The Happiest Holiday Shop. And Blake goes in and, and starts looking around. And this time, the two shopkeepers are quiet. They're watching Blake, and Blake's uh, feeling their eyes in a non-obtrusive way. Uh... Because Blake's not even sure, what am I here for? And they must know it too, fumbling around. And then starting to look, is there a house that Casey doesn't have? Is there something that would fit this mismatched display? And uh, Blake's more engaged uh, than one of the shopkeepers. She looks, uh, excuse me, looks like you're... uh, a little bit, uh, you, you looks like you kind of know what you're looking for, but I don't know if you mind me saying it. Is everything okay? Uh, uh I mean, not great. Uh, thank you. Uh, I'm just looking for something for someone and not, you know, I'm not feeling, yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious, huh? Yeah, but I was going to say welcome to the happiest holiday shop, but it just didn't seem fitting. I didn't, you know, uh, but yeah, it looks like, how can we help you today? <sighs> well, how about some peppermint tea? Why don't you take a, a seat here and, and we're just, we just have a, a pot at the perfect drinkable temperature right now. Why don't you have a, a sip of tea with us? Okay, that would be, be, be nice. Thanks. Yeah, th- this tea's nice. You, you, you like, uh, it seems like, I don't, hope you don't mind me saying this because I don't mean it as a value judgment, but it seems like you're feeling a little bit empty or something. Is that anything? Yeah, you know, I, I just don't, I don't really want to talk about it too much. I'm just here looking for something for a friend and, uh, you know, it was, I guess I want to do something special. Is it uh, someone, like, uh, do, do you want something, a gift that says something or that uh, translates or something special? What do you mean? I don't know. I guess, like, something maybe to remember me by. I, I don't know. Does it, like, uh, but not to be showy. Ah, okay. So they're going, you're, you're going, they're going away. Yeah, they're moving, they're moving away. <laughs> Okay, okay, let's, uh, so something to remember you by, 
but something not showy. And we, I noticed you were kind of looking at some of the uh, different houses we have. And, you know, there's all these different styles of displays and cultural displays or nostalgic displays. Uh, is there something about that that caught your eye? Yeah, there was. Like, uh, Casey, that's who it's for, is, uh, has one of those displays, and it's actually just like just about every of those things put together. Every cultural thing and every nostalgic thing all mashed up into one village. <laughs> well, you, you wouldn't believe this. We've been running this shop for a long time, and uh, we, we've, see, we've seen that type. Uh, it's more popular than you might believe. Really, what do you call it? Well, we call it dad jeans, but that's just kind of an inside joke between the two of us. It doesn't really mean, oh, no, I totally get it. I totally get it. Like a big, it's like a big jumble. Like, yeah, no, I get it. Okay, so you're looking for something unique, something one of a kind. Uh, something maybe that reflects you a little bit, right? I mean, a bit, uh, uh, but yeah. Yeah, but you you seem less jumbled and more sleek. Or maybe not sleek. What's the word? But refined or elegant. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, for sure. But being refined and elegant has a cost to it, too. Um, I mean, do you mean expensive or... Well, I, I was thinking more of, like, uh, that it can be lonely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But you have this, like, kind of warmth. Uh, you, you radiate this warmth, uh, but maybe it comes out of that lonely spot, huh? Yeah, I thought I was here for a gift, but I, I didn't realize, is this going to be a 50-minute session? And, and uh, do you do sliding scale? Oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do sliding scale. No, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> Okay, I'll have to call my insurance company then. No, 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 this is all, uh, uh, the gifts cost money, the discussion is free. We're just, let's just, let's switch back to this Casey character. Is Casey kind of a little bit of, uh, like, uh, a little bit different than that, huh? Like, underneath all of the display is, uh, something, uh, cold that radiates warmth or something or absorbs warmth or I, I I don't quite know how to put it even though I don't know Casey yeah something like that I guess I don't know I don't get it uh absorbs warmth might be the thing that uh yeah but I just okay well let's just take a look at we, we've got something over here that might connect your interests and this is something a very very unique piece that no one ever notices uh it totally forgettable here in our shop and normally uh, you might look at a shop like ours and think we scorn technology uh, but you, you're going to be very very impressed i think this is what you're looking for is right over here on the edge of this uh, just this tabletop display it's very very special but i don't even know take a special it, it, it's is it that mirror? It's a miniature mirror. Is that real? Oh, I, I, we, we we could tell you're you're very good at uh, observing these things. Yes, it is the mirror there. It's a miniature mirror, just the same scale as most of these holiday towns. And it's just like a, a stand-up antique mirror. It's 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 very cute. Uh, Okay, we'll get down there and take a look at that mirror. It, it's really reflecting that child looking in it, and, and it almost has that patina of uh, antiqueness to it. Okay, and keep looking. At, uh, oh, yeah, I can see the other things in the town uh, reflecting. So it's a real mirror. Okay, keep keep looking at the mirror. Keep looking at really, really. Uh, you got. Wait a second. Is that the other person that works in the shop? Uh, in the mirror or inside the mirror? It's like your partner's in there. Is it? 
Wow, that's how are you doing that? Oh, geez, uh, you're very well. Yeah, come on back. Let's uh, show you the back of the shop uh, because this is a two part thing. There's the miniature mirror, and then back here, oh my goodness, it's a life size version of that mirror, and it's absolutely striking. Yes, it's uh, it's kind of a two way, and, and I can kind of explain. Oh, this is the 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 frame of it is it's is this gilded it's is that like a hand painted yes it's a ornate oh yeah it's like the uh, wait uh, this is a little story even in here uh, I, I, I okay I, I'll take it like uh is it actually antique or we well we could explain to you kind of how this side works and no 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 I'll take it I, I don't even need this is a beautiful mirror. It could be a gift to myself, even. And then the, the, the mirror at Casey's. Uh, Casey might not even notice. Well, don't you want us to tell you? No, no, I'd, I, I think I'll be surprised. Uh, there's no, no, no tricks to this mirror, right? I'll be able to figure it out. It's intuitive. Actually, it is. Okay, let's, uh, why don't you, uh, okay, thank you so much. Thank you. And so uh, Blake uh, got the mirrors, uh, the one tiny, tiny mirror, and the one life-size, you know, folded down. The, you know, this is the stuff just like in the morning that doesn't get told, the folding down of the back seats, the carrying of the mirror, the paying and the costs. And then Blake dro drove over to Casey's house and took the small mirror and placed it. First, just watched the display. Night still hadn't fallen, but it was close to dusk, uh, and tried to find a spot, and then decided right at the waterfall at the edge of the world to place a mirror there, and then found a character that looked a little bit like uh, Belle in the few scenes from Beauty and the Beast, uh, either version where it, Belle is in winter garb. And put Belle looking into the mirror off off axis, uh, so that mostly what the mirror was facing was the entire display. And uh, Blake moved a couple other characters uh, so they could kind of be like looking at the mirror uh, instead of looking at the holiday tree or the other holiday displays. And then Blake headed home, uh, didn't alert Casey, uh, didn't say anything at all. And then Blake got home and set the mirror up, looked for a place to plug it in, and then said, oh, this probably like works in some sort of solar power. They said it was very high technology. The mirror was heavy, but Blake was strong. Blake set it up uh, and then sat at the edge of, of the bed and looked in it and studied it. Uh, looked around the bedroom. Uh, looked uh, in the mirror. Uh, you know, did the old eye contact with yourself kind of thing. And then started to notice the little dots, you know, mostly towards the, the top part of the mirror with these more antique mirrors. Uh, you see, what is that, like quicksilver? And then started to think of it as snow, and then started to think of it as lights, and then followed it down. And then they started to see Casey's display in the mirror. Now, it wasn't in real time, but it it was in some sort of real dream time. Part of Blake's mind was trying to analyze, like, uh, you know, what video codecs and how did they get my Wi-Fi? But really, uh, watching the display through this, it almost looked real. And uh, real enough to stand up and walk closer to the mirror to really look in and see the Ferris wheel moving. Then off uh, on the other side of the hill, the carousel. Then the children sledding uh, and uh, then uh, hearing them laughing. And then suddenly Blake was uh, looking around, uh, really there in the town, a bustle of a strange, strange activity for 
just like the real display, this world was every genre and period piece at once. People bustling like a, a strange time travel mashup movie. Dickensian characters rushing to a 1950s five and dime. And, you know, just all sorts of a strange, strange world, but a totally mesmerizing uh, cars moving, horses and carriages, old lamps and spotlights and holiday, you know, carolers, a whole nine yards. And Blake started to explore the town more. And then started to notice that people would come up and look uh, right into Blake's eyes. And then they would say something, uh, but it was never, it was always uh, disjointed and disconnected. Uh, the first few times it felt like it was directed at Blake, but it quickly it seemed like, well, you're never going to make him happy, was the first thing a mother kind of seemed with her arms full of packages. Uh, yeah, but then it was just someone that said, that banker's never going to approve it. Uh, then it was Oliver and Annie holding hands, uh, uh, talking about it, and uh, became more confusing to Blake. Uh, everyone uh, looking, uh, but talking about something unrelated to who Blake was. And uh, even though this was a strange dreamlike thing, it made Blake feel a little lonely, wanting to connect uh to other people in this amazingly strange world. Uh, and maybe there was a level of uh, hyper-feeling in there because of uh, magic, I don't know. But uh, Blake started to kind of wander around town, wondering, each encounter becoming a little bit more confusing and, and, and draining. And uh, so Blake walked around and then uh, went into the five and dime and, Headed over because so many people had talked about appearance, uh, and that was something that always uh, had such a role in Blake's life. Uh, Blake said, well, "What am I? What, what, am I just don't belong in this world?" Maybe. And uh, finally, Blake got to a mirror in the five and dime in the clothing section. He saw another mirror looking back, uh, a mirror reflecting a mirror reflecting a mirror. And, uh, Blake was, uh, at first like, what, you know, what in the heck is going on, but with stronger language. But then Blake started to feel really cold, uh, on more than one level and ran out of the five and dime, ran out of the town and headed into the hills, uh, maybe a part of the hill that wasn't in the original display, uh, cold hill. And Blake uh, kept feeling colder and colder. And uh, Blake noticed that the sun was out. It turned to the sun and uh, it was still cold. And something in Blake's intelligence said, if I don't get warm, I'm going to be stuck as a mirror in this uh, strange place. Uh, but I must be reflecting the sun, so i got to find another way to do this. Uh, and then Blake ran back to the five and dime, ripped the other mirror, which must have been strange even in a uh, strange fantasy world, seeing a mirror rip a mirror off a wall, and uh, headed back to the town square. And Blake set the other mirror up, uh, reflecting the sun back at Blake, and that didn't work. Blake was still cold. And uh, could hear the chattering of people following after... Uh, a mirror taking a mirror without permission from a five and dime. And of course, the other genres of people watching, maybe even Marty McFly was shooting through this universe uh, to get to Doc Brown. Who knows? Yeah, but Blake kept it trying and trying and then angling the mirror. And then, uh, and then Blake uh, kind of heard these, all these different mismashes of, uh, holiday tunes, uh, and of all of the sounds that rang out was a song, a sound of a steel drum, probably playing with like a dulcimer 
in a harpsichord, but, uh, you know, these undeniable sounds. uh, And Blake ran over and grabbed the steel drum, of all things, which created a bit more of a hubbub and angled the mirror, uh, reflected the sun into another mirror, angled into the steel drum uh, just uh, facing. So kind of a three, you know, sun into Blake, uh, reflected off of Blake into the other mirror, reflected into the steel drum, which was also placed on top of a rock, which I don't know if this had to do with it because I am only a narrator. But then things just started to warm up. Uh, was it the, the broken reflections of the steel drum or was the steel drum heating the rock, which was radiating the heat? The rock that was still cold on the inside. I don't know. But eventually Blake uh, warmed up and uh, Blake uh, uh, set the mirror from the Woolworths in the same spot uh, that the miniature mirror from the town was set up in. And uh, things just started to drift. Uh, and uh, then Blake uh, woke up. Uh, at the foot of Blake's bed in Blake's room, and the mirror was there. And looking in the mirror, you could see Casey's eye, the the display, like maybe a live version. Casey looking at the display and looking at the mirror, and this satisfaction of Casey seeing the mirror and seeing the town behind it, uh, reflected back and even the bell and Casey was touching the bell and moving it a little bit. And then Casey uh, pulled out a manchichi and uh, intertwined the manchichi's hand with bells uh, and uh, uh, set them both kind of looking off at the mirror so they could see the reflection of the village. And Blake was still kind of staring in the mirror, smiling, uh, and something about the, the the thing had mesmerized Casey. Casey was the one looking in the mirror. And Blake was watching everything, too, and seeing Belle and Manchichi holding hands. And then Blake's phone buzzed, uh, and it was a text from Casey. Thanks for the mirror. Uh, good night, uh, thanks, everybody, for enjoying this uh, holiday tale from the happiest holiday shop. Uh, uh, good night and happy holidays to you.